You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hello, hello, Slow Down Society. Steph here, and welcome back to episode number 97 of what I just am realizing is a two part series of what I've decided is bad advice. <laughs> so, the last episode that we recorded, if you haven't listened to it, it's okay. You are not behind, so don't feel like you're behind. But I recorded an episode on how I thought feeling the fear and then doing it anyway is bad advice. <laughs> it's, it's not something that I live my life according to. It's not something I want my children to do. It's not something I would like you to do or anything that I advise my coaching clients to do. And, it, and it's interesting. I, I could <laughs> do, do an add-on to that episode of number 96, but I'm just going to share it with you right now that before I started recording this one, 97, which we're going to call faking it and how that's kind of bad advice too, that whole fake it till you make it advice. Not a fan. Don't think it's great. And I'll explain why. But when you're talking about fear, um, so back to that last episode, and this is kind of an add-on because it's still in my brain. Think about it when it comes to children and why dismissing a child's fear and telling them what they think is wrong or what they feel is wrong and not owning them and, and, and just owning that feeling and getting them comfortable with whatever it is that they're fearful for. So, I mean, just like, like it, it's just beyond silly when, when you think about it, that, that if someone is truly fearful and truly scared in some way, having them dismiss that feeling and just quote unquote, do it anyway, really doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make any sense. So, we're going to throw that bad advice out the window. And today we're going to talk about bad advice number two, <laughs> which is uh, faking it till you make it. Um, I've never been a fan of that advice and, and I'll explain why. But if you're new here, I just want to say welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This uh, is a labor of love for me and I'm just thrilled that I get to talk to you each and every week. So if you're out there, let me know. Shoot me an email. I'm at steph at stephanieoday.com. Leave her a view on the podcast. It is so helpful, especially as we're getting to that uh, 100 episode marker to kind of let the algorithm know that there's real people out there listening and sharing. Um, if you find value in any of the episodes, share with a family member or a friend and send me a screenshot of what you're currently listening to. Um, you can tag me on Instagram at Stephanie O'Day. 
I will let you know. We can reshare it in a story. Um, but I'd love to know what's resonating for you and how these kind of uh, weekly episodes have helped it, helped, excuse me, helped to shift you forward in your own life, in your own pursuit of the elusive uh, American dream of health, wealth, and happiness, or, or anything that you see fit in this kind of slow, methodical, sustainable way. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. So, faking it. <laughs> so, um, I, a, a piece of me wants to just kind of, uh, I'm going to talk in code in case you've got little ones in the car or in the room right now, but let's say you are quote unquote faking it, uh, in your personal life in, in some aspect, you know, deep down inside whether or not what you're doing is right, if it feels good whether or not you are faking it. And when you are faking it, it 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 feels phony baloney. Your your mind and your body are not connected. It feels uncomfortable. You feel like you're doing something wrong. And that is something to pay attention to. So slow living is all about figuring out life on your terms. The simply look only within acronym for slow. So where is it you're going? What is it that you really want out of life? Oh, Sheldon is barking in the background. Sorry about that. That's because (laughs) my youngest is handing off a cell phone. Her friends left a cell phone in the car, and so they're doing a handoff. And I'm all plugged in. I've got earplugs on, so I really don't want to unplug and stop. So I'm going to just continue going on. And maybe... Maybe you think right now I'm faking it till I'm making it as a podcaster, and maybe you can have those thoughts, but I'm just going to keep doing (laughs) what I think feels right to me, and for right now, it just feels like I'd rather plow on through. So let's talk about that kind of notion of fake it till you make it. And one of the reasons I wanted to record today is I was on a coaching call earlier this morning with a client who was offered a speaking, like a recurring speaking event um, through the organization that she works with. And, and then from there, there's different opportunities to speak um, at a nonprofit. And she wants to do this. This is something that sort of she's been playing this kind of long game of chess to be able to do, but she's uncomfortable with it. She's, she's not a fan. She, she told me she's got nothing to wear. She doesn't know what to talk about. She's uncomfortable. And now there's this date looming on the calendar. And I said, okay. I said, well, let's, let's think about this for a while. What do you think I'm going to recommend for you? And she just sort of laughed and she says, ah, you're just going to tell me to go out there and do it and to fake it till I make it. And, and uh, so we were laughing and I said, no, that's not actually <laughs> what my best suggestion for you to do is. I want you to feel good when you're on stage. I want you to own that room. I want you to connect 
with the audience and really feel so good and so confident and so powerful in the message and the things that you're trying to embark upon that everyone is now eating out of the palm of your hand. And that doesn't come if you're faking it. That, that, it, it will not work. You will feel phony baloney in your body and that then will come across to the audience members. So sometimes maybe it'll come across as uh, like arrogant, like I'm so good, my, my you know what doesn't stink. No, no, everyone has felt that kind of energy before and it's not genuine and it's not real. Instead, being a, a full-fledged 365-degree human is what is important. I said 365. That's how many days in a calendar year there are, Steph. <laughs> really what you mean is 360 degrees, which is a circle. So anyway, <laughs> there you go. Full-fledged human, Steph O'Day. Um, okay. So I, I have a few different stories that I want to share with this because I have spoken on stage and I have done quote-unquote hard things that I didn't used to do or things that might feel a little uncomfortable the first few times I do them. And so I, I walked uh, I walked her through this today on the phone and, and she's got some exercises to work into. But we talked about what she's really searching for is confidence and, and feeling confident and feeling like you you know your stuff and you can go out there and and do it and and rock it, rock that stage, rock that presentation. And so we talked about that. So if you and, and you as the listener needed to go do something and you needed to be confident, this is the steps to take. So this isn't faking it. This is figuring out what you need to do to bridge the gap from where you are to where you want to be. So where you want to be in this situation and where my coaching client wants to be is she wants to be a confident, powerful speaker. So we talked about that. Okay. What does a confident, powerful speaker look like? What does she wear? What does her hair and makeup look like? How does she hold herself? How does she prepare in the few weeks before, the few nights before, the few hours before, the few minutes and seconds before a confident, powerful speaker takes the stage. And writing all of that out, journaling it, paying attention to what these steps are, now all of a sudden, you have the steps. You have the, the kind of paint-by-numbers approach of what a quote-unquote confident, powerful speaker does, and it's something that you have decided, you have created, and now you're just going back, and you're just coloring it in. You're, you're matching up what you said you were going to do and, and checking off those boxes and doing those things. And think about that. If you took the time and slowed down and put yourself in different situations where you really set yourself up for success, how would that feel? It, it would probably feel pretty gosh darn awesome. 
<laughs> so, so that's when you know something is coming up and how to best prepare and how to get yourself from where you are to where you want to go. What happens if you are thrown into a situation where you didn't have time to prepare? How do you own it? How do you get to that situation where you feel confident? So uh, if, if you've listened for a while, I think I've mentioned before that one of my very first jobs was I worked at the San Francisco Zoo in the Wildlife Theater, and um, I was a summer intern, and I got to run a few different programs, and one of the programs that I ran just two days a week was at the Wildlife Theater. And the, the Wildlife Theater, we had a show uh, where the the script is I have a backbone and you're introducing the the five different classifications of animals with backbones. And, and it's very scripted and, and it was wonderful. I loved it. The first time I had to give the show, although I had practiced and although I had memorized the script, I didn't know that day I was going to do it. I, I had no idea. And and I can't, it's funny, I, I was thinking about this before I hit record. I can't remember why I had to do it. I don't know. I think it was my boss at the time. Her voice wasn't doing well. I think she was sick. She just wasn't feeling it. And so she asked me to do it. And I I did <laughs> have fear in my body. And I did feel phony baloney, but I also wanted to do this. And so I said, okay, with very, very little prep, maybe 10 minutes of making the decision of, okay, Steph, you're going to do this to now all of a sudden stepping out on stage. And we're talking wildlife theater stage. So maybe I don't know, 60 to 70 people in the audience sitting on logs and half of them are children. And it's just fine. This isn't going to go on my resume. This isn't going to be on LinkedIn. This isn't being recorded for a TED Talk. This is, I have a backbone at the San Francisco Zoo Wildlife Theater. And I was 16. Maybe I was 17. Anyway, so 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 picture this. <laughs> so picture this. Uh, uh, I could channel Sophia from the Golden Girls. So so picture it. Uh, late nineties, <laughs> foggy day in San Francisco, and I step out on stage and I start giving the talk, and I'm saying other people's words, other people's scripts, other people's kind of corny jokes of why is the king snake called the king snake? And then you kind of cup your hand over the microphone and say, because it was Elvis's favorite pet. <laughs> so silly, absolutely silly. And everything in my body and my brain felt uncomfortable because I was faking it. I didn't like what was happening. And you know what I did? I stopped. And I, I just, I said, you know what? I need a second here. This is my very first time doing this show. And I'm feeling scared and nervous. And I'm sorry. And I just need to start over again. And thank you for being here. And let's start all over again. And so I did. And what did that do? One, 
I, I was fully and truly authentic and uh, uh, transparent in that moment. I owned my nerves. I owned that feeling of uncomfortableness. And instead of letting it get the best of me and allowing my voice to be shaky and allowing me to feel so uncomfortable, I stopped. And I reset myself and I started up again. And that audience then rooted for me. I had them. And, and this wasn't like a pre-planned ploy <laughs> in any way. I, tr- I, tr- I truly needed them to buoy me up and make me feel good. And they did. And, 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 and all of these like precious uh, older ladies and grandmas came up and hugged me and told me I did great. And, and it really helped boost my confidence. So then the next time I went out on stage, um, it went so much better, <laughs> so much better. I There's another sort of theory that comes around with the fake it till you make it. And it, it was a theory by Malcolm Gladwell. And when I was doing the Crock-Pot site, Malcolm Gladwell, um, his Outliers book had been like like the book in all of the professional development and, and kind of blogging and tech circles. And the idea of you are an expert after doing something for 10,000 hours was floating around. And the funny thing is, is for, for a while, I thought it was 1,000 hours. And I'm like, well, that's just ridiculous. No one at all, at all, is an expert after only 1,000 hours of doing something. But uh, that kept coming up in kind of like the bro tech circles. But then I actually looked it up. And, and it's not 1,000 hours. It's 10,000 hours. But 10,000 hours, if these 10,000 hours are, are a work day, a work week of, of 40, 40 hours, it's, it's only about 250 days on the job. And, and if you just start thinking about that, do you want your doctor who, who might be diagnosing you or diagnosing your child to only have been at it? for 250 days and then just declare they're an expert and and slapping it on their business card and and stepping into it. I am an expert in neurosurgery. I'm like, "Eh, no. Let let's have a little bit more proof there. Let's have a little bit more evidence before you declare <laughs> that you are an expert on something." Uh when you think of it with parenting, um so uh so, so if that's like 250 days or something, it, it, it just, it doesn't even make sense. What, what is that? That's like an eight month old. Um, you, you are not an expert yet. You are, you are not an expert yet. Um, I was thinking of it when it comes to, to teaching. So at least here in California, a, a school year is 180 days and, and we absolutely count up the days and then we count down the days and, and, and all of the things. But the school year is 180 days. So if you've been teaching then for 250 days, that's only a year and change. Do you think that person is an expert teacher? No. No, I don't. <laughs> And I work with teachers and I know who are the expert teachers and who aren't. And they're usually the ones who have years and years and years and years and years under their belt. I 
um, was writing a, a parenting column for a while. And uh, one of the the editors emailed me and introduced me to someone as a parenting expert. I'm like, no, no, no. I think I think my oldest at the time was like six. I'm like, I am not a parenting expert. No, like like we're all just trying to do the best we can at at any given time. So, uh, so one uh, at one point we rebranded the a year of slow cooking website. So it was a year of crockpotting, but crockpot is a registered trademark. So um, it was rebranded as a year of slow cooking. And the agent that I was working with at the time kept having me do like radio interviews and, and stuff like that, which was wonderful and amazing. And I kept being introduced as a slow cooker expert or a crockpot expert and things like that. I was uncomfortable with that. And, and it wasn't something that I ever felt like I could call myself because I'm really just a mom who likes their crockpot. I, I really am. When, when you go through that first year, if you ever are in the mood <laughs> and have way too much time on your hands and you want to go back and read my writing from the very beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. It was experimental. It, it was, I wonder if this would work. Huh, let's try it. And, and after 250 days of that, was I an expert? No, no, no. I still was just goofing around. So it took, I think, I think it was the third book. I think it was the third book, but the fourth time being on Good, no, the fourth book and the third time being on Good Morning America. I don't know. Um, I think, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Cause the first time I got to be with Diane Sawyer and then the second time it was Robin Roberts and then the third time it was with George Stephanopoulos. And I was starting to feel like, okay, I've now done Good Morning America. I, I get how the kitchen setup works. I get how there's going to be a tease where they have you look into the camera and you say, coming up on the next segment, blah, blah, blah. Like, like I, I felt good in my skin. Also, I happened... <laughs> For that particular uh, cooking segment, I had on this gray dress from J. Crew with this big, wide, red kind of lacy leather belt that my friend Jennifer talked me into buying, and it was way too much money. It was the most expensive belt I've ever purchased in my life. I think it was one hundred twenty-five dollars. And if you know me and how Scottish and frugal I am, you know that does not even compute. But I just signed another book deal, and I wanted this belt. And she talked me into it, and it was one of those things where she talked me into it, but I also let her talk me into it because I really wanted that belt. It's a badass belt. So anyway, I'm wearing this stuff, and I walk out on stage, and I didn't know how I was going to be introduced because I was never asked how I wanted to be introduced. Someone, probably from the publishing house, wrote the intro. And George Stephanopoulos introduced me as a slow cooking expert. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to own this now. <laughs> if, if George Stephanopoulos declares me an expert, I'm, I'm going to own it and lean into it and, and take that for my own. So what does this mean for you? This means you decide what feels good. Because if you are 
arguing with yourself, if you're declaring for some sort of marketing reason or to put on your LinkedIn or to put on your business card that you are an expert or that you make no mistakes and you are the best of the best at whatever it is, and you don't actually believe that and feel that, it won't work. So so the faking it till you make it will not work until you come to terms with it and start to collect evidence and build your confidence that you really are the thing, whatever it is you say you are. So so just like back in, in the beginning when I was talking in code about faking it in the bedroom, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and, it, and it's not a fun way to live your life. It's not a fun way to live your life because you're going to always kind of be metaphorically looking over your shoulder and waiting to be found out, waiting for someone to point out uh, you got there in maybe a, a way that that wasn't honest or maybe a way that didn't fill you with integrity. So speaking of integrity, I um, one of the first few episodes of this podcast has been downloaded a ton and people write to me all of the time about it. Um, and it's an important one. And it's episode number 16 of Matching Your Identity with integrity. You you need to feel good about whatever the label is and it needs to match your morals and your ethics and your identity. Another one that would be uh, good to listen to if you're still trying to kind of figure out where it is you're going and how to step into whatever future you wants you to be and wants you to do in a way of integrity and matching that is episode number 37, How to Find Your Purpose. And then 88, I, 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 I feel like the last four or five episodes, I keep telling you to go back and listen to 88, and that is reprogramming your internal dialogue. So we already know the fake it till you make it isn't going to work. And so I gave you an example of if you were going to step out on stage and you had time to prepare and time to set yourself up, what are the, the different stair steps that you take, the different checks to, to kind of check off? Or, or if you're a visual person, you can look at them as dominoes. So knocking down the dominoes, um, the more you do it, the easier it gets and and you're no longer kind of arguing with your brain and your body. Your body and your brain have become one and you own it and you feel good and you have confidence. But if you're not there yet, that's okay. There's nothing wrong. It, it, it's, a, it's a matter of kind of reprogramming your internal dialogue. And so that episode number eight, 88, I talk about that. And um, with my coaching client this morning, we decided that recording some affirmations that felt good would be a great thing. And I, and I just came up, I, it came across my desk. There's a new app. I've got an iPhone. I don't know what it's like on an Android, but the iPhone app is called Parrot, P-A-R-R-O-T. It is a pink icon with a white parrot in it. And you can record your own voice stating affirmations that ring true to you, that that feel true to you. Because if 
you're stating things that you don't believe, your brain's going to argue and and that won't work. So so state things that maybe haven't exactly truly come true, but you're working towards, such as I am successful. You might not be successful or feel successful right this very second, but if you believe you can be successful, that is okay to, to write them in the future sense. So, um, I, uh, it, 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 I, I don't think my coaching client is listening to this, but if she is, I just, I am going to read them, but I have omitted <laughs> anything that might point to you. So don't worry about that. Okay. So this was on a shared Google doc that, that we did. And so these are some affirmations and, and you write out and, and do the ones that feel right to you. But I wanted to give you an example of what a grouping of affirmations might sound like and look like. So then you can write out your own and then record them in, in any type of voice-to-text app or, um, or that Parrot app or, or even just on a voice memo and, and put it on repeat. Okay. I am successful. I choose to be successful. Everything I do, I do well. People are attracted to me. I am financially free. Money is a commodity. I love money and money loves me. Money is a useful tool to help me help others. I am very healthy and will live a long, healthy, prosperous life. I take care of my family and they too live long, healthy, prosperous lives. I work out often. I listen to my body and feed it nutritious food. Everything I do, I do well. We love where we live and are proud of our home. My children are healthy and secure and visit often. I drink water all day long. I sleep like a rock. I love my life. Okay. All right. So hopefully that helps give you some ideas of what affirmations might work for you to then get you to a place where you don't ever have that thought of faking it till you make it because you're working on it bit by bit, inch by inch, each and every day. And, and you'll get there slowly, steadily, and sustainably. All right, pretty people. Thank you again for being here. Consider yourself loved and hugged. And I think you are absolutely wonderful. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.